Welcome to My 10 Sports. It's August 3rd, 2023 episode. Fall camp is here, ladies and gentlemen. Fall camp is here. Everyone has practiced so far in the league, or at least started practice so far in the league, besides South Carolina, Mississippi State, and Arkansas. So let's get the echo out of here. In Arkansas. Uh, so tomorrow, like I said, everyone started practice so far in the SEC. except South Carolina, Mississippi State, Arkansas. We will all start camp tomorrow. Uh, thoughts? I'm going to give you my thoughts on fall camp. It's kind of my thoughts on uh, what fall camp was like working in college football. Really, I mean, having worked in college football offices and really the SEC in general, SEC in general, when fall camp starts, it truly means football is here. I mean, people mention media days, and of course, there's conference media days all across the country. It does mean football is just around the corner. But nothing beats that first team meeting when everybody walks in. It's like, hey, like this is for real. Because, I mean, if you've been in these offices, you've been in a player, you've been in a player in college football, you know, like the spring practices get a little mundane. You get 15 of them, but the season just feels so far away. Even for the summer workouts, best teams get through them and take them serious. But even those eight-week programs get a little mundane. So you walk into that first team meeting come August 1st, whatever your report day is, and you're playing another team in about a month, it hits a little different. It hits a little different. Um, but you still got a lot of peaks and valleys to go through throughout a whole month. So a lot going on. You get the first week, everybody's jacked for the first few practices. We're up here. I know we're in spiders, helmets, but everybody gets fired up, especially the first few days, especially when we're getting closer to full pads. The first scrimmage, always a big one. Everybody gets fired up for that. Uh, and then also hitting the dog days of camp gets a little mundane at times. The second scrimmage, which is usually the most important. And then finally, just getting through all the way up to that first week when classes start and when uh, fall camp stops. And then we get into the school year. Probably about a week and a half, two weeks later, it's time to kick off and it's week one or week zero whenever you're starting. If you're but I don't have to tell you, the next three to four weeks for your team, for your favorite team, We'll have a big say on, on on how happy or disappointed you may come you may be come into November, early December. Uh, we'll also talk some camp intel across the SEC and thoughts from the head coaches' press conferences so far through the first couple of days through fall camp. And, as, and it also got me thinking how college football is inevitably changing NIL transport. And as well as the team in the SEC started to recruit with a new coach, can Alabama, Georgia, Auburn all be premier top 12, top 10 teams in the country on a regular basis for about four or five years in a row. But that was a good discussion. I will discuss that in my two cents, my thoughts. I mean, I've worked at Georgia, I've worked at Auburn, I've worked as a student in Alabama. So I've seen the lay of the land. Uh, I feel like I could put a a good thought, a good thought process, a good plan, kind of lay it out on how that would have to happen for all three programs to actually be premier programs at the same time. They've all had their years, but they've all, if you look, they've never been good at the same time. But going on, there's a lot of layers. We'll get to that as well. Uh, I know it's football season. Let's talk a little basketball just real quick. The battle for Atlantis, the college basketball tournament was announced. Uh, as you know, uh, this is a tournament in November around Thanksgiving every year, just throwing in like the Maui Invitational Tournament. Tennessee would be in. But Arkansas, Arkansas is going to be in this bracket. They announced the bracket and matchup, so I just wanted to go over that real quick. The, the Hogs will be participating in this tournament battle for Atlantis in the Bahamas. Tennessee actually beat Kansas in the championship game last year. Uh, but the bracket, I'm actually potentially fired up for the second round matchup. Uh, but other teams in 
this bracket, you got North Carolina, Northern Iowa, Villanova, Texas Tech, Michigan, Memphis, and you got Stanford, Arkansas. You, you may have a Memphis-Arkansas matchup that both teams win their first round. You have Peyton Hardaway versus Buzz. You got Rick Stansberry on the, on the Memphis staff now. You got Javon Clearly, who openly thinks he's not a real big Arkansas guy. Got into it with Anthony Black last year. And I know Anthony Black went on and got drafted by the Magic. He's not on the roster anymore. But he always had some beef with Arkansas. Javon Clearly's now the starting point guard at Memphis now. He, yeah, yeah. He is down on Bill Street with Peyton Hardaway and Rick Stansberry. Memphis should be pretty good. I know they lost a little exhibition uh, overseas the other day. I forget to who, but we're disappointed. But Memphis should be solid. Just wanted to point that out. Uh, Tennessee's also in Italy. They'll play two games. I guess I think a little bit under 21 Lithuania team um, starting tomorrow. Tennessee will in Florence. They'll go over to Rome, I believe, and play as well. Then how about State going 3 0 in Portugal? Not just how they, not just going 3 0, but just guys like Andrew Taylor, a transfer from Marshall, uh, true freshman Josh Hubbard. Those guys are going to raise the ceiling for our, for the Mystery State football offense this year. Mystery State got four out of five starters back. They added both Taylor and Hubbard, who both in, in Portugal. I know it's just a European tournament, uh, a little European invitation, more of the experience for the kids, once in a lifetime opportunity. But those two guys are going to raise the ceiling for Mystery State's offensive production. They can shoot well from beyond the arc. Something Mystery State struggled with last year. Effort, rebounding, stuff like that is never going to be an issue for the Bulldogs. Uh, but if they can raise that floor. Tolu Smith and get his buckets down there. DJ Daniels down there. They add Taylor. They add Hubbard. I'm telling you, look out. Look out. Mississippi State, I think it's going to be a tournament team next year. And they made it last year in the playing game. I think Mississippi State, they can, they can just get a little bit of improvement offensively. Look out for the Mississippi State Bulldogs. I like Mississippi State and what uh, Chris Jans is doing. But also, Musselman and the boys will be in Bahamas. I'm looking forward to that potential second round matchup against Memphis. Both teams can take care of business. Memphis opens up with. Michigan and Arkansas opens up in the battle for Atlantis against Stanford in the court. Uh, but just go over that real quick. Like I said, we're going to get to it real fast. Can Alabama, Georgia, and Auburn, all three, be clear, good to great programs on a consistent basis? And when I mean good to great, I mean consistently winning nine to ten games, being in that top top. Remember 24, we got a 12-team format. We go to a 12-team format. It's not going to be crazy if you get three, four SEC teams in in a year if a three-loss SEC team gets in. Now, I know adding Oklahoma and Texas will change that a little bit. But I just thought about it the other night. After working at all three schools, I'm kind of sitting there like, is it possible? Let's get right into it. Can these three teams at the same time be frequent visitors to the 12-team playoff? Now, Alabama and Georgia have been doing that, especially for Alabama now. They've been doing their thing for the past 15 years, really since 2008, Nick Saban's year. Kirby Smart and Georgia's made the playoffs three times. Yeah, I'll talk about three times in his tenure at Georgia. 17, 21, and 22 have now won it back-to-back years. But historically, the numbers say this could not happen. Historically. Historically, they say they cannot happen. 2017, it's probably the only season you could really say all three teams had what you would call a great season. Had Auburn win the West. They beat Alabama in the regular season to win the SEC West. They beat Georgia in the regular season. Then they faced in the SEC Championship, Auburn versus Georgia. Georgia won the SEC Championship. Georgia went on to beat Oklahoma in the semifinal. Went on to play Alabama, who got into the playoffs without winning the SEC West that year. For the last time, all teams in the 10-plus game, Alabama obviously won it all, the second and 26, Devontae Smith. Georgia made the 
the national championship game were the SEC champions that year. Auburn won the West, finished bad, lost the SEC championship game, and lost to UCF in the Beach Bowl. Probably the last time all three teams would consider, hey, that, that was a great year. Now, granted, like I said, some more fans maybe I got, but it was a bad taste with that one. But I would consider that what I'm talking about. Auburn would have made the playoffs that year if it was a 12 team. If you had Auburn in the playoffs, that's what we're talking about. Can we get, can we get consistently 2017 Alabama, Auburn, and Georgia for four to five years in a row? Can they all, can all three of them be in that range that they were in 2017 and be in that top 12 to get into the playoffs for four or five years in a row? Sustained success. Alabama and Georgia have proven they can have sustained success. Auburn, they've had their moments. 2010, 2013, Putting back, back to back, back to back, great classes. Um, but there was ever a time, there was ever a time in these, for all three of these programs to be a top 10. Top 10. I'm going to split this up a little bit into reasons why it can happen and then reasons why not. But let's get into the positive first. I'm going to say my good news first. Reasons why. NIL, new time, new era. Let's just put it as simple as that. New time, new era. 90s, 2000s, 2010s, they're kind of over. I mean, I'll pull it. I had some numbers here. Just pausing that on NIL real fast. Alabama and Auburn, I looked it up. In the 90s, Alabama had five 10 win seasons. Auburn had two. Georgia had two. In 2000s, Alabama had four. Auburn had two. And Georgia had six. In the 2010s, Alabama had two. Auburn had three. And Georgia had seven. So you can kind of see not all of them ever really consistently good at the same, like great at the same time. I mean, the 90s, Alabama, hey, it was host, host, host. But they, again, had five, 10 win plus seasons. Auburn had their season 93 with Terry. It's just, there's two, then Georgia was two, really struggling with Florida in the 90s. Georgia, under Martin Rick, came on. They started getting their 10 win seasons with six. But Alabama and Auburn were just very consistent. Alabama was under probation. Different coaches, Mike Price, Mike Eagle, Dennis Franchoni. Auburn had a couple moments in 2004, and I believe in, in 2000, uh, 2007 or 8, 7, they also got to 10. In 2010, Auburn's national championship then proceeded 11 and 12. The season's 11 and 12 are actually that being very good. Uh, Georgia had seven, then obviously Alabama had 10. I mean, Alabama had, has not, not won two games in the season. So it's just what you would think. Alabama and Georgia have had their share moments. Georgia in the 2000s, Alabama in 2008. Auburn's had their big-time moments playing a national championship, winning a national championship. They just can't consistently do it. Like I said, new time, new era. NIL is upon us. All three are great collectives. On to victory. Alabama with yay Alabama. And then the classic Kitten City Collective down in Athens, Georgia. All three in great shape, especially with Auburn. And Auburn's maybe the best right now from what I'm hearing. Auburn's admin, big donor people. All seem to be on the same page for the first time in a while. Brett Whiteside, who I know personally worked with him in Auburn, he's over the Auburn Collective with Hunt Victory. They kind of have a little bit of the NFL models set up for what I'm hearing. They have designated salary pools for kind of for each position, kind of like an NFL with team would be. And I think that's kind of the smart way for collectives to go. Now, we're not going to get into collectives, but I think Auburn's ahead of that a little bit. They have that curve, they have their plan, they have a good communication with Hugh Freeze. The donors are all settled in, Cohen settled in. Now, Hugh Freeze is undefeated right now. Everybody's Nothing negative is happening around the program right now. They're recruiting well. They're recruiting as good as you could be right off the bat with you, Freeze. But he hasn't lost a game yet. So everything's awesome. Everything's 
unbelievable right now. They feel real good about their future. I do too. But if something goes wrong, they maybe drop. Maybe they lose to Vanderbilt or something this year. One of the Mississippi schools, and maybe that gets it off the rail. But the relationship right now seems better than it's ever been in a while. I mean, the NIL, the big reason why this could potentially happen as well, because Auburn's ahead of the curve. It seems like they got their ducks in a row more right now than they have in a very long time. Uh, all three teams also seem to have the right guys in the captain's chair right now. What I mean with that, all three teams have coaching people around the right now, especially Alabama and Georgia. They, they for sure do. Auburn, I think, went out and got the best guy they could have got. Uh, Auburn needs a big-picture, forward-thinking type guy. And I think Hugh Freeze is the first coach they've had that has that type of mindset since probably Pat Dive. Gus Malzahn had his couple years, but just could never get over that hump to be consistently to consistently go win double-digit games back-to-back years or go do it three years in a row. Um, Freeze, also the biggest threat to Alabama in recruiting since Nick Saban has been there. Tommy Tuberville threw in the white towel when Nick Saban got there. He didn't want to recruit the big boys. Um, Gene Chizik had his moments. Um, recruited some guys after the 2010 season. They did a good job. Started the Big Cat weekend. The Hugh Freeze and had their moments before, so you got to give them credit. I mean, uh, Gene Chizik and them had their moments. They just, they just went downhill so quick after they won that championship. Just couldn't really keep it, get anything going. Gus Malzahn recruited solid. They really struggled up front on the offensive line. I think the defensive staff of Kevin Steele, Rodney Gardner, Travis Williams. Those guys in the back end did a really good job uh, recruiting on that staff. And then Will Muschamp, that one year, he didn't get a lot a lot of credit. They recruited solid to get that defense to get back to a physical standpoint. And it wasn't under Ellis Johnson, Chris Malzahn's initial defensive coordinator, but it turned out to be under Will Muschamp and Kevin Steele. So I think they got the right guys in the, all three programs. got the right guys in the right chair right now. Nick Saban, Kirby Smart, and Jordan. I think Hugh Freeze is the best hire Auburn had in a very long time. So I think they're sitting well right there. And then finally, the transfer portal. You can't live in it to consistently build sustained success. Like Kevin said it yesterday in his press conference at fall camp. It's just not possible. Uh, but you can plug some holes out of it to get better, uh, just more so than you ever could. I mean, obviously, you can plug some holes on the offensive line. All three programs have done that before. Uh, guys on the back end of the secondary, all three teams have done that before. And then quarterbacks. I think quarterback plays so advanced now that there's a lot of – Pretty good quarterbacks. The floor has been raised at the quarterback level. Like I think Peyton Thorne's going to be fine at Auburn this year. Uh, I think Tyler Buckner could survive at Auburn. I think the quarterbacks are more advanced in their training than they've ever been in football, especially college. The floor has been raised. I think you can win with a lot of quarterbacks now. Um, I think to win a championship now, you got to have you got to be a top three to four to five player in your roster. If you don't win games, I mean, Hugh Freeze is doing. He's developed quarterbacks. He's done it with Chad Kelly. Wallace, Malik Willis. He's always had quarterbacks produced. He's got a deep room right now. He got a deep room with Carson Bett, Gunnar Stockton, Brock Vandergriff. Alabama's just trying to figure their out, but they've obviously produced quarterbacks. First rounders, what? For Pat Jones, two in a row, three first rounders in a row. I mean, Alabama has done it. So, all three teams, I don't think, are going to have a problem are not going to have a problem finding quarterbacks out of the portal. It's going to be like, hey, well, look at Alabama this year. We don't know that yet this year. We don't know that yet this year. So, transfer portal, big point being it can help all these teams plug some holes that they may have missed in high school evaluation 10, 15 years ago that they could go shore up that hole like they can now. So, I think those are the three reasons why they can. 
Reasons why all three teams cannot be great at the same time. I'm about to give them to you. There's really only one reason. There's really only one reason why all three can. It's the biggest reason of them all. In theory, not enough talent to go around. In theory, there's not enough talent to go around. Hey, now, key phrase being in theory. Look, all three of these teams recruited. All three of these teams recruit at least two of the same states, if not three. All three recruit Florida and the state of Georgia regularly. Georgia will go to Alabama some a little bit and recruit, but not overly hard. Auburn, when I was there, at least used to treat Georgia as an in-state, um, as in-state recruiting. They, everybody had an assigned spot in Georgia, in the state of Georgia. All ten coaches at the time had spots reserved, or nine coaches on the field coaches, had areas in the state of Georgia. Auburn really only recruits Alabama, Georgia. That's fine. a lot of talent there. So – they have to go win those big battles with the top recruits against Alabama and Georgia and a lot of other teams too, like Florida, LSU, Clemson, South Carolina, all those teams go there. Um, according to 247 Sports, 37 of the top 100 players in the class of 2020 are from the states of Florida, Georgia, and Alabama. According to On3, 30 of the top 100 players in the class of 2020 are from the same states as well, Alabama, Florida, and Georgia. That's a lot. 37, according to 247 Sports, and their top 100 are from the states of Georgia, Florida, and Alabama. And according to On3, 30 the top 100 players are from the states of Georgia, Florida, and Alabama. Now, both Alabama and Georgia are more of national brands than Auburn probably ever will be, no matter how good Auburn is. And they're just more of a regionally-based team, and that's not enough. It's really not enough. But Auburn has a small window to go take advantage of here. Hear me out. For Georgia, 14 different states are represented out of their 26 2020 commitments. 14 different states. That's a lot. That's a lot of commitments Georgia has right now, 26. But 14 of the 26 commits are from different states. For Alabama, eight different states are represented out of the 14 2024 commits they have. For Auburn, only four states are represented out of their 14 2024 commitments big difference, especially from Georgia to Auburn, and even Alabama has doubled the amount Auburn has. So it's really about getting into those three states for Auburn. And the determining factor, I just kind of mentioned it, and all this will be, can Auburn make its money on out-recruiting Alabama and Georgia in their backyards while those two stretch coast to coast from California to New Jersey they have commitments to, really talking about Georgia here, Recruiting players with their national brand. Now, Alabama and Georgia, like I mentioned, national brands that can go see to shining sea here. Georgia has a commit in California. They have a commit a commit from a player out in California. They also have a commit from a guy out in New Jersey. Alabama's done that before, too. Auburn's ability to go out relationship both of those teams in those three states, in their home state, Alabama, in the state of Georgia they consider it state, and Florida, they got a shot. They really do. Right now, with the success both with the success that both Alabama and Georgia are obviously having, uh, they might ever may not even realize that they're stretching themselves too thin and a little bit too much, not really focusing on the players in their own backyard closer to home. Nothing wrong with that. Is both Alabama and Georgia both showed they can have sustained success. I mean, Brian Bowers from Seattle, Washington area. I mean, Bryce Young was from California. I mean, I know a lot of people go nationally quarterback commit. Najee Harris from up in Northern California. Just naming guys from California that both teams have had success with. Uh, but this is the first time in a long time that I really think Auburn is the right guy for the 
job. I believe, and he can out relationship potentially out relationship Alabama and Georgia in those three battle states. And in my opinion, he's got to go get ten to twelve of those top one hundred players from those three states, from the states of Alabama, Georgia, and Florida. And if Auburn should, could do that, they can go get on a year to year basis anywhere out of like you said on a year to year basis. Let's say there's thirty one year and thirty seven out of the top one hundred players are from the states of Georgia, Alabama, and Florida. Auburn and Hugh Freeze can go get 10 to 12 of those a year and just focus on those three states like they should. Because there's enough talent there for you to go win a national championship, much less finish in the top 12. If they can go just work their tail off, be relentless, they should be – I think they have a real shot to be in the playoffs. And pretty regularly, three out of five years, four out of every five years. That's why this conversation got me thinking. I just – they feel a little bit like Georgia, like I said, stretching themselves a little thin. A little thin. I don't think that's a fact yet, but I can see Kirby Smart sitting here and maybe two years or so, and be, hey, man, Auburn, Auburn's getting any guys and guys from Georgia we like. We need to hone in back on. We need, we need to make sure we're taking care of our home state before we go get a kid out to California. All it's going to take is probably one or two visits from a guy from maybe out west that they wasted their time on it, didn't pan out, that they're like, hey, let's hey, – Let's get out from the 35,000-foot view. Let's go closer about a 5,000-foot view. Let's get closer. Let's get closer. Let's make sure we're keeping the guys we want in our state closer. Not saying that's happening, but it could happen. But at the end of the day, Alabama and Georgia are the standard in college football. They've regularly made the college football playoffs since it started in 2014, especially Alabama. Maybe not as much Georgia. Only three appearances. But still, they're, consistent. they're starting to consistently make it now within the last three years. So I'm throwing them in that. Auburn is the program that has to start showing it can be a good to great program consistently. And history tells us it's not possible. But like I stated before, this new era of college football with NIL, the transfer portal, and having all three programs probably in the best shape from a head coaching standpoint, with the leader of the program that they've been in years. If not now, when? If not now, when can all three programs not be top 12 programs at the same time? Top 12 programs in the country. When, if not now, when can not when can all three of these programs not be top three to four programs in the SEC on a consistent basis? Four to five years in a row. Three out of five years. Why not? If not now, when? With the new rules and it's changing, what why not? When? And Auburn is hot on the trail right now with the commitments from Demarcus Riddick and Perry Thompson. If KJ Bolden commits on Friday or Saturday, it's on Saturday to the Tigers, Auburn's this is Auburn's to as good as a start as they can imagine under Hugh Freeze on the recruiting trail. But now it's time for Hugh Freeze to go lay some groundwork on the field. If they can go win eight games this year, look out with the 24 and 25 classes because they will be the two core classes that Hugh Freeze and Auburn can build off of to be a consistent playoff contender year in, year out. And as you can see, there are more reasons why all three programs can be consistently in the top 10, top 12 at the same time. And the reasons they can't be. The only reason, like I mentioned, that they can't be, it's probably the biggest reason over them all. And the reason is, is there enough meat on the table to feed all three families? And what I mean by that is, is is there enough talent to go around for all three teams to have enough talent to compete for the top 12, be in the top 10 year in I think it's going to have to take 
Georgia and Alabama, a combo of both, can stretch themselves a little too far coast to coast. Maybe missing on some kids in state and Auburn going all gas, no breaks in those three battle states of the state of Alabama, their home state, the state of Georgia that is just littered with talent. Obviously, the state of Florida is littered with talent. It could be raw. There's a lot of athleticism down there. If Auburn can just hone in on that out relationship with Alabama and Georgia, they're going to get some kids. They're going to get some kids that they probably are going to outwork Alabama and Georgia for, especially if Alabama and Georgia are taking a bunch of flights and spending some time coast to coast, like you keep saying, out in California or up in New Jersey. I'm saying it's happening. Could it happen? Sure. And I think that's Auburn's window to get in to consistently be a top 12 team. And I think Hugh Freeze gives them best chance they've had maybe in their program's history it at least since Pat died. Worst case since Pat died has been there. Um but I'm not ready to say yay or nay yet on this. If these three programs can all be top ten, top program nine or ten games for four or five years in a row, be in the talk of the conversation year in, year out. Because you got to think the SEC's changing next year. Still staying at eight games. I think that's going to change tonight, but you're at the moment in Texas, so it's going to get more challenging. I think at some point a playoff team is going to be in. I think the SEC is going to get four teams into the playoff at some point. When it goes to 12, I think a 9-3 and three team from the SEC is going to get into the playoff. It's probably an 11 or 12 seed. I think it's going to happen at some point. But we have to let Hughes Breeze play his first season at Auburn and sign his first real class, probably first two real classes, and see where that is. But just remember in the back of your head, just because it's never happened before in history doesn't mean it can't happen, especially with the changes in college bodies. NIL, Auburn's advance in doing as organized as anyone in the country with kind of their salary cap strategy, being on the same page with football seven day one, John Cohen, the administration all the way down, and the boosters seem to be aligned more than ever. Yeah, Kirby Smart's still a young cat. He's only going to only continue to compete for national titles, going for a three P this year. Alabama, Nick Saban's on the back nine of his group. I still think he's got four or five years in him. But, again, it's four or five years. What does Alabama go? I don't think they're going to teeter off and be terrible. But, obviously, they're, probably, they're not going to be as good as they have been under the Saban era. Nobody expects that. That's impossible. But if not now, when? Not starting in 2024, 25 seasons. When? I don't think it's that far-fetched, honestly. It's just going to take Auburn being relentless in those three battle states. Alabama and Georgia take it over lightly in those three battle states as well as they recruit coast to coast. Just some thoughts to ponder on that. But some fall camp updates. Fall camp updates. Look, it's the first day or two of practice for everybody, unless you're Vanderbilt. They started last week because remember they're playing week zero. Not to the um, you aren't going to get much from head coaches after practice, but if you listen closely, and if you have coaches like have college football, you can hear their tone. See the body language and really kind of get some honesty out of that and really see how they really feel instead of just getting over a little bit of that coach. But let's get started in, in Nashville. Vanderbilt was the first team to lead off opening up fall camp. Mark Lee and his third Vanderbilt team started fall camp last week. They will have their first scrimmage on Saturday. It's a big first scrimmage for them. But I think the, the key things that I've gathered watching interviews, watching some practice clips from Vanderbilt is it's about building gap for Clark Lee and his Vanderbilt squad this year. I personally think the over under three and a half win total Vegas has said, I, I think that's free money. I don't think it's going to get closer here. I'm not ready to put my predictions out. That's two weeks from today. I'll put my, my entire SEC predictions out. I don't think Vanderbilt gets the six, though. They're going to get to five. 
2024, these guys who start to play more this year, they battle through injuries, the guys that aren't ready to play this year are going to be forced into action. They're going to be better next year. When you're calling me crazy with Oklahoma and Texas joining the league, you think going to get better. I think Mineral really makes a ball game between them. A lot of their guys hadn't really transferred out like that. They got a good culture. But just the offense has been pretty banged up this year. I think Vanderbilt's going to clear the three and a half over under Vegas. Has. I think they're going to get to five, but I just don't think they get to six this year. Uh, AJ, Swan, AJ Swan, they at least had some inconsistency. But the doors kick off on week zero against Hawaii at home. It should be a good matchup. Some scrimmage will be massive, though, for the Commodores. I'll keep you up in here. Moving on to the back-to-back defending national champs, Georgia Bulldogs. Two-time defending national champs seem fiery right off the bat. Talking to people, reading some articles. Complacency is biggest opponent this year. They seem to be getting right after it immediately, dipping it in the bud. Uh, apparently, practice has been fiery. It's part Kirby's getting after people. Todd Harley getting after people. Apparently, what the quarterback, the whole group, Carson Beck, Brock Vandergriff, all through. They've won a great day for but nothing to get concerned about. I think Carson Beck's going to have a good year. Nothing to get concerned about. First practice. Uh, here's a drill example I heard they had. They did. They implemented it as a new quarterback drill. Also, an article they implemented it. But this is just the precision of the Georgia program right now. Listen to this drill just out, out of the box and just not wasting time. Let's consistently get as much reps as we can, especially the first few days when we're just trying to learn about ourselves. Listen to this drill. So when the quarterbacks were working with the running backs, they were taking the snap and hanging off to the running backs with a long RPO action. You know what RPO is? It's a one pass option, holding the ball as long as possible. He gives it. There's a student manager immediately right after the quarterback gives it, snaps a ball to him. He's got to catch it, throw it real fast. Just getting the hand-eye coordination down, wasted reps. He was killing two birds with one stone in that rep. Something George has implemented. I thought that was something cool. Maybe that's just me, the football geek in me. I like that. I think that's awesome. But that, that's just what makes Georgia great. They're killing two birds with one stone just in that drill. No waste of time. No waste of time. But it sounds like the dogs are getting after it. Not real much intel, but it sounds like, hey, Kirby Smart and the assistants are, hey, complacency. It's not happening, guys. This is what we do. I saw Todd Hartley was getting after it. I think it was uh, the tight end. The tight end. I forget who it was. Uh, it wasn't Brock Bowers. I have to go read the report who it was. Um, what Riley going to be state? Who it was, but he was saying, I think maybe lost and lucky. Got it, lost and lucky saying, Hey, we've been doing this drill. Lost and lucky, been there six years, but hey, we've been doing this for six years now. How do we keep messing this up? Stuff like that. Got to get it. Things seem well or bad. Moving to Tennessee, they just started a couple days ago. Josh Heifel just seems status quo, man. Never too high or too low. Seen that way on Wednesday. He looks comfortable with this team. Why he has 32 seniors on this team? It's a veteran squad that's not talked about enough. Um, Ramel, I think he's gonna be Mr. Consistent in the SEC this year. I think he's gonna be the most consistent wide receiver in Tennessee this year. Dante Thornton transfer from working the slot receiver can take the top off the defense. He's getting a lot of the pump. Mel Keaton, maybe the Marietta receiver, is gonna be Mr. Consistent for the Bulls this year. Secondary, I think, still gonna be a proof it type thing. People want to see it before they believe it. They're really gonna get a chance to prove that game. Maybe Virginia, they probably can get a good look. Maybe even Florida, not. But still, I think when they look good against Virginia. I'm going to give up the benefit of the doubt. But remember, it's important. Older group, Paul Hayden, Danico Slaughter, guys like that. Some older guys. Uh, we really won't know about Tennessee in that secondary until the end of the year. You're going to hear reports, maybe some injuries, but they're going to be in the camp. They're going to make it seem like everything's probably pretty rosy, or maybe I should say pretty orangey, color glasses type takes. 
But it's all we got from Knoxville from right now. Josh Heupel seems real comfortable, real fashion. Moving over to Gainesville again, not a lot of news out of Florida, except and they started fall camp on August 1st. Sophomore, Billy Napier now, sophomore linebacker Shamar James has a knee injury. It's not an ACL. I think it'll be week to week. It's not a good start either right there. Already a thin roster, but no one knows to the extent, but I've heard it's not an ACL. I uh, didn't hear anything really about the quarterback. Austin Armstrong, new BC, he's been talked about there. So uh, Florida just getting after really not a lot of information I've gathered so far just from talking to people around the program. It's just besides this Jamar James injury, that's all I've heard so far. Good job. Keep you up with anything I continue to hear from Gainesville. Missouri. Missouri opened up fall camp the other day in their new indoor facility. It's the first indoor facility that's 100 yards the University of Missouri's ever had. Real surprising there. Uh, Lee, Eli Drinkwood's way more involved in practice when you go watch the live practice clips this year. Remember, he gave a play call to new OC Kirby Moore is coming over Fresno State. Uh, I think he's a very under-the-radar hire. Had good offenses over at Fresno. I think Drink just being around the whole organization more could be a benefit to the Tigers this year. Also, I like Blake Baker, defensive coordinator. It's his second year, and they got enough guys back on defense to be solid this year. Um, but it's all, for Missouri, it's all going to come down to quarterback play. Brady Cook saying all the right things in regards to what has to improve his deep ball, his touch, just allowing his receivers to go make plays because he's got weapons on the outside. Luther Burton, Mookie Cooper, Theo Weiss. It's going to come down to quarterback play for Missouri. I'm telling you, if Missouri gets good quarterback play, I like the defense, I like the weapons on the outside. Eight wins, not out, not out of the realm there. It's a big year for Drinkowitz. I know he's not as on hands with the offense right now. It's Kirby Moore. But, again, he's kind of a quarterback guy. They can't get the quarterback position right. And that's the head coach's bread and butter position. Who else is there to blame? So it's a big year for uh, Eli Drinkowitz and the Missouri Tigers. They're just getting started with their fall camp. That quarterback race will be interesting. It looks like it'll be Brady Cook if he can battle the Miami transfer Jake Garcia. Uh, heading to Lexington, Kentucky, Big Blue Nation got started. Didn't hear much or see much. I don't know if the line the Big Blue Ball on the other side of the field, apparently. But that's the big question mark, and I think it was what everybody wants to kind of keep up with here about. Kentucky has most likely their best wide receiver room they've ever had. I mean, you have guys like Tavion Robinson, Dane Key, Barry Brown. You also got – they brought in Devin Leary. Bring in Liam Cohen, Devin Leary there. They see Kentucky throw the ball a lot more, but if the big blue wall can get that physicality back, Mark Stoops, he wants to be a physical team overall in the offensive line and defensive line. Just not the whole program. They're going to want to run the rock. They're going to run, want to run the rock, especially with Vander, Vanderbilt transfer running back Ray Davis. He does a good job. I like Kentucky this year. The key, though, how good Kentucky will be will be up to the offensive line. It's got to improve from what it was last year. Rick did not protect Will Levis get a running game with Chris Rodriguez going at all. So the big blue wall is the one to keep up today. Not much news on them, though, to open up fall camp. But we'll keep you updated as we continue to go. Uh, South Carolina gets going tomorrow, but that'll wrap up the SEC East as of right now. Moving to the SEC West, heading to Baton Rouge. Some favorite SEC, the defending SEC West champs. Not a lot of first-year stuff, Brian Kelly said. Practice, everyone knows where to go after the stretch or after every period. Stuff like that. There's not walking through old hands like they had to do with a lot of first-year stuff, adjusting to that. It's year two. They've been through another spring practice. Everybody knows where to go. Um, Aaron Anderson, the Alabama slot receiver transfer, Louisiana Navy, he's back home. I think he's had some good practices so far. Uh, don't look too much into the wide receivers beating the DBs, he told the Brian Kelly told the media, though, in the one-on-one settings. Because, like I always said, even during the summer camps and you – 
in recruiting, you get UC reports to website. You can see a lot of one-on-ones from high school, combines, the Under Armour, Nike College. You see the one-on-one setups. One-on-ones are so set up for the wide receiver to win, it's not even funny. Too many routes. Sometimes these long-developing routes that receiver runs, when the wide receivers run, would never happen in a real game because there's no pass rush. You got all day. It's, it's like Brian Kelly is saying. He's like, there's no pass rush. Quarterbacks are very comfortable. Uh, receivers are very comfortable. The DBs are the one playing on their hills, having to cover for probably longer than they would from an actual real game simulation standpoint. So he said, don't. I know secondary is a big question mark for them, but he said, don't. Don't go take that as a reporter or media and run with that. And I agree with him because I've always thought about that too during my time in college football. Uh, it looks like speaking of the corner, Deuce Chestnut has been consistent in the defensive backfield. Good news for the shoot Tiger fans. Mason Smith, so far coming back from the ACL injury, he suffered against Florida State week one last year. Big interior enforcer. He can be consistent. Watch out. That LSU run defense will improve. Uh, but he's looking disruptive so far. What I'm hearing and talking to people in the building, watching some of the practice. Um, I feel confident saying I feel good about the quarterback position, even if Jane Daniels goes down. I like Garrett. God loves the university. He loves playing at LSU, and he's, he's not a lot of snaps. He's been in the system, not in the system, but he's played a lot of college football. He knows how to conduct himself. If Jane Daniels were to go, go down, maybe get a Bryce Young type injury where he's out for the whole year, LSU would be all right, even if he was having a little weird. Not talking injuries, pushing injuries on anybody. On anybody. But I think they'd be fine with Garrett Nussman. I really do think they would be. Uh, Hitting the Tuscaloosa, Alabama, wrapped up practice. Uh, probably about an hour for this show started. But uh practice this afternoon. Saban did not worry about the quarterback situation. He came out immediately and nicked that gun. Keeps using the baking, bacon and cake references of, hey, we'll bring it out of the oven when we're ready. So he told the media when he's ready to announce a starting quarterback, he will let them know. So whether that he announces before ball camp's over, does it go into the season? Is it week three after the Texas game? He's sitting there saying, hey, Ty Simpson, Jalen Milrow, Tyler Butler. Starter, how do you take that? I don't know. He left it open ended, but he keeps even going back to SEC media days talking about it's a baking cake. He kept asking his grandma growing up, was you know, when the cake be ready to come out. He keeps using that reference. We'll see where it goes from that. He brought that up again today. Uh, Nick Saban had a high praise for all four running backs, though. He likes Chase McKellen, Roydell Williams, uh, Jam Miller, who is a uh, quad strain right now, so he did not practice today. And then crew freshman Justice Haynes. I think he likes the depth of the running back room, likes all four of them. And then even mentioned he likes both tight ends. They're going to be utilized more this year with the Tommy Reese system. Lamar Nye Black and Maryland transfer CJ Dupree. I look for them to be to have some have some a big say in the offense this year. Both of those guys. Uh Kamala too was one of Bryce Young's big weapons last year. But again, Tommy Reese implements the tight ends more than Bill O'Brien would usually use in his system. Bill O'Brien's system is more of a safety valve for Bryce Young, where Tommy Reese wants to utilize it and use that as one of their Premier plays. He was the is one of a true first option at that time. Alabama's recruiting at tight end should go up. So, I mean, look at the guys new things produced at the tight end, the tight end spot. Even going back to when Tommy Reese was a player. Tommy Reese is the coordinator, and Nick Saban are very much on the same page of utilizing the tight end. So you'll see that a lot. That's good news if you're an Alabama fan. Hearing positive feedback about Amari Nyblack and CJ Dupree. Saban was very loose in his press conference. Joking around with their talking about they had media training yesterday. How was I today? It was up to standard. Joking around. You can see I retweeted on social media. It's a big picture of Nick Saban walking off the podium spot. And everybody's taking it and running with it. But, I mean, I'm probably buying too much into it. And how him and the leaders, Kool-Aid, McKinstry, Dallas, forgot that J.C. Latham conducted 
themselves in SEC media days. Alabama's comfortable, I think, in this role this year. I, I really, I'm telling you, I think Nick Saban specifically is rejuvenated because this is a new challenge for him. He usually doesn't get to come into the season with a lot of, hey guys, hey guys, they're they're doubting us. Do you see these articles? We're putting this on the team. They're doubting us. They're thinking LSU's already taken taken over in the SEC West. George won it back to back years. We've been overtaken in the SEC, guys. It's George's world. We're just living in it. He's getting to play that role that he he's maybe only got to play one or two other times in his time in Alabama. And at Alabama, it's relative. I mean, there, nobody's saying Alabama's going six and six, seven and five. They're not throwing that propaganda that no one Smith was throwing out. National championship saying everybody was down in Georgia last year. They're going 75. I don't, Alabama's nobody's saying that about Alabama, but I think more so than ever, everybody's really down. Alabama's total stranglehold of the SEC West for sure. With LSU and Brian Kelly coming in their first year of winning the SEC West last year when it's supposed to be Alabama's year. But I think Nick Saban's a new challenge, something different that he's not used to. Nobody's more process oriented. But I think it's a new challenge that he likes to take. Yeah, guys are down. Like, well, let's go out there and prove that we're the offseason, you notice Alabama didn't make a lot of noise in the offseason, good or bad. I mean, it's always good, you know, hear anything from a rest off the field standpoint. Just Alabama went and seems like they went and conducted their business. Just the question mark is going to be the quarterback position. Nick Saban said he will pull the cake out of the oven and let the meat in the room know when he is ready and he feels like someone has won the team over and it's time to announce it. So it's where Alabama is right now. They opened up their first day. They wrapped that up this afternoon. Heading out to the Ole Miss. Kiffin, not ready to name a quarterback as well. I think it's Jackson Dart, but he said he's not ready to know. He said he wishes they could have some preseason games in the NFL or no. But, again, he said he will announce a quarterback just like Nick Saban said he would when he feels like someone has actually won the job and won the team over. I mean, even Lane Kiffin got a little bit into roster management. So you can't consistently build a roster through the portal. It's coming through the portal king himself. It's coming from the portal king himself. He's saying you cannot consistently build a roster through the transfer portal. You must be watching Mott on Monday and Thursday nights. Uh, thank you, Lane, for listening. Um, but even him, the portal king, even saying consistently to have sustained success, you cannot build through the portal. He's absolutely right on that. Uh, you can tell, Kevin doesn't like the new rules. He's mentioned it, uh, talked about how it's the only sport in the world that there's no contracts and it's free agency each year. Uh, and that sometimes in a school like Ole Miss, it can hurt you if you're a freshman. And like Quentin Judkins goes out and has a great freshman year, and you have to recruit him back each year because he's like, there's no contract. He's absolutely right, but he's still going to go about his business and help Ole Miss from a player acquisition standpoint the best he can, given who they are and who they can get. And I think he, it'll be interesting to see the next year or two when Kevin transitions more to the high school recruiting. I think it's already happened. You saw in the 24 class, they started to focus more so on high school kids than they did in the 23 class, which was it's funny. The cross-state rival, that's Mississippi State's bread and butter, are going to go try to win the in-state kids. There's a lot of raw talent in the state of Mississippi. I think Ole Miss, like Kiffin taking a step back, being like, hey, let's go plug some holes in the portal. We need to start getting some kids from the state of Mississippi. Like, they got a big victory last year, the Suntarine Perkins kid, the linebacker from the state of Mississippi, I believe from Raleigh, Mississippi. He should be a good, productive player for Ole Miss about his career. You got to start keeping kids like that in state. I think Lane Kiffin's starting to understand like, the entire deal on these portal kids. They're going to show up, the drama behind it. I forget some of their names often. I think he won. He mentioned that. SEC Media Day's press conference and the other day at a press conference. I think he hates being in the portal so much, but he feels like initially when it came out to have the land of the land at Ole Miss, that was the best way to approach it. And I think he's drifted back a little bit. Like, hey, we're going to be consistent. We're going to go to high school. So that's what I gathered from Ole Miss. Um, he talked about, hey, we just got to play good football. We need to stop 
turn the ball over like we did a lot at the end of the year. We also got to start forcing more turnovers. Like I said, I think Pete Golden on defense. I don't think Ole Miss is going to be great personnel-wise. They'll be okay. But from the overall personal personnel standpoint, from the ceiling standpoint, the depth is not going to be very good. Um, probably got 15, 16 guys they could trust, throwing injuries that's going to knock out some guys. I think they're going to have to be aggressive on defense and create some turnovers through their scheme. But I think if it's not right, if Ole Miss can limit the turnovers, force some more, Ole Miss should be solid this year. Uh, Auburn, Hugh Freeze initially came out. Dark West Hunter seems to be away from the program right now, starting running back for Auburn. Auburn's best player going into the season. I mean, Hugh Freeze, quote here, matters related to team rules and procedures. They're handled internally. Um, I don't know if it has to do with some other off-the-field stuff I'm not going to get into. It doesn't sound like he's going to be away from the team for an extent. He didn't say a while, but I don't know why you would miss practice. I could see maybe getting suspended for a game or two, but why make him miss practice? Unless it's something to do with taking a final. Why would you miss practice? You'd be with meeting. Just a weird situation. I'm not going to speculate, but Q Freeze did say he is away from the team right now. Due to quote again, matters related to team rules and procedures have been handled internally. It's a big loss for all was actually gone for the year or any significant period of time because that's the bench running back and probably best offensive proven offensive player right now. Again, I think they brought in some receivers like a tight end Rivaldo. Fairweather is going to be a guy for him. The Colbert is going to be fine. I think he freezes it to raise the floor from a skill position standpoint. But again, going into the season, I think he is the best playmaker they got that would be a big loss. He freeze says he thinks they can win with all three quarterbacks they potentially got. I don't really know much about them right now, but I think he feels comfortable with what they could do with Robbie Ashford um, and Peyton Thorne right now. So that's a freeze. He's comfortable, but not going to get set the expectations. I think he's under-promising and hoping they can over-deliver this year. From seeing Hugh Freeze uh, after signing day, SEC media days, throughout some of his visits going to different Auburn talks with boosters that you see in the spring and pitted, uh, today with his opening fall camp press conference, I think it's going to be a little – under promise, over delivers what he's hoping for. He don't want to go over promise, under deliver. I think in his head, he probably like seven, eight wins for them in his head. And then he over that great season. Uh, and then Texas A&M, they're probably, they're probably getting off the practice for the right when we were starting this show. So on Monday, we'll update you on that. And throughout the weekend, I'll talk about Texas A&M too. But A&M getting off the practice field as the show started. Even when I was there with Jimbo in 2018, there's a late practice. I mean, they won't get practice starting until 434. So they're off late. At a time, and then Mississippi State and Arkansas from the SEC West get started tomorrow. So we got a lot going on. The fall camps here. You got to get your mind right. You got to get your mind right. We're approaching what now? Um, four more, four more Saturdays, right? What do we got here? I'm looking. I'm pulling up the calendar. What do we got? We got one, two, three. Yep, four more Saturdays until we get some SEC football opening up with Vanderbilt. In Hawaii, week zero, really should be called week one. But and then five more Saturdays till we're actually Labor Day weekend and we're kicking, baby. And we got some real matchups in the SEC. So we covered a lot on this episode. I mean, two real big topics uh, going in depth. We'll do it. Obviously, fall camp, every episode now going up, we're going to give you the fall camp updates, injuries, stuff I'm hearing through people I'm talking to at all these programs, and stuff reading, going through practice clips, things like that, just some thoughts. We also talked about can Alabama, Auburn, and Georgia all be premier top 10, 12 programs for the same time, four to five years in a row, making the playoff on a consistent basis once the 12-team playoff starts starting next year in 2024. Can all three programs be in it on a regular basis? We talked about that. I think it's to be determined. It's a big year for you. 
freaks Alabama and Auburn have obviously been doing it. I mean, Alabama and Georgia have been obviously doing it. They're doing it now. Auburn's the one that has to show up and be a consistent program. They've had their moments throughout the years, but it's time to be a consistent program and go put nine, ten double-digit wins, playoff opponent, playoff appearances four to five years in a row. It's time, it's time to do that. And if not now, win. Because I think all three programs have their best coaches. Alabama certainly Nick Saban, best coach they've ever had. Kirby Smart at Georgia, best coach they've ever had. And I think Hugh Freeze can be up there at the end of his tenure being one of the best Auburn coaches of all time. Uh, we also talked uh, Arkansas going to the Battle of Atlantis, excited about that potential second-round matchup if them and Memphis can get together. I think there'll be a little heated rivalry there. I think that'll be fun. But, again, we covered a lot. I appreciate you joining us on this episode of Mock 10 I hope you have a fantastic weekend. Keep following us on Mach 10 Sports for the best information on SEC sports.